You're listening to Little Green Cheese, Episode 2. Well, welcome back. I'm Gavin Weber, and this is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, it's been a busy week because I had an interview with Liz Beavis. Uh, she lives in Nanango in Queensland, and it's a really good interview. So here it is. All right, the uh, cheesemaker we have today is Liz, and I think Liz's last name, Liz Beavis. Is that how you pronounce it, Liz? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, Liz is from um, a blog. Well, she's from a town called, oh, here we go, Nan Nanango. <laughs> Nanango. Nanango. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, so Nanango in Queensland. And uh, and she's just started to make cheese. Uh, and uh, I'll let her introduce herself. Oh, thanks for that, Gavin. Yeah, I live on eight acres in Nanango, which is um, south and west of Brisbane, um, just um, west of the Sunshine Coast. And we've on our eight acres, we keep some stairs which we raise for meat, and we've got chickens for meat and eggs and a big veggie garden, and we've got two beautiful Jersey cows. So that's um, why I started making cheese. Oh, fantastic. So um, do you, you milk them twice a day? We sort of milk them as we need to. Um, one of our cows, Molly, she's just had a calf, so she had her calf four weeks ago, so we've had to milk her twice a day um, while she's producing a lot at the start. Um, but her calf just started taking more milk, so we've cut her back to once a day milking. So I'm getting about six to eight litres a day from that. And uh, soon, when the calf takes all the milk, we'll be able to just milk her when we want to, and the, the calf will take the rest. Oh, okay. It'd be pretty hard to um, drink that much milk a day, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that's right. So once I have 10 litres in the fridge, which is um, every few days, I make another cheese. Goodness me, you'll be able to sell some soon. So um, when did you start making cheese? <laughs> uh, so we got the first cow, Bella, two years ago, and she was um, she had a six-week-old calf at the time, so we were milking her once a day, and um, we went and did a cheese-making course, my husband and I, um, with Elizabeth Baconia on the Sunshine Coast, and um, she's into raw milk cheese, and she milks her cows and goats, so... Um, she's a good person to go and do the course with for us because um, she taught us a lot about raw milk and um, how to make the cheese straight from the cow. So that's where we started. Oh, okay, fantastic. And obviously the the why you started was because you had this abundance of milk, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we a lot of people get a cow because they want to make cheese, but we actually got the cow because we had trouble buying stairs for meat, so we thought, it would be better to have a cow and then we could make our own stairs and the milk kind of came with the cow, so we ended up with all this milk. Yeah, you don't have much choice, do you? No. <laughs> okay, so so what sort of cheeses have you made so far? Um, well, at first I bought a couple of different cheese books and I wanted to make all the ones that I'd heard of, so I tried all the hard ones like Gouda and Cheddar and mozzarella and I realized it was just taking so much time because we're having to make cheeses so frequently I, I sort of ended up with a few favorites that um that I could make quickly so um, I mostly make Romano and feta 
because I can make them after work. They only take probably three hours if I'm quick. Um, and I also make a lot of cream cheese because I can just make that straight, um, just take the raw milk straight from the cow and put a little bit of starter in it and make the cream cheese. Yep, lovely, lovely. Lately I've been trying some of your cheeses because I got a bit bored with those recipes. Yep. Um, so I tried, tried the ones in your book, um, the Italian bag cheese. It was yep. great fun. How'd that turn out? It was really nice, actually. We had pizza um, and put that all over it. And the caffili, I'm just waiting for that to get ready. Is that how you say it? Uh, it's caffili. Caffili. Yeah, caffili. So, so that's a new Oh, wonderful. Yeah, in fact, I made a caffili on the weekend myself, so snap on that one. And I'm just waiting for some brie. I'm you know, sort of nervously waiting to see if the mould comes on it and everything works. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky cheese, or well, that and camembert. So, yeah, they're uh, they're real buggers. Mm. It took me about three or four goes before I mastered it myself. So, right, <laughs> okay. So, so don't be disappointed if your first camembert or brie doesn't turn out how it's expected. Yeah, fair enough. So, where where do you make your cheese? In just in your kitchen? Yeah, that's right. Just in my kitchen, I bought some big pots. Actually, I think I got the biggest one from Kmart. I've got a 10-litre pot. So, um, yeah, just on the stove. So as for utensils and stuff, did you have to buy anything special other than the pot? Um, I bought cheese moulds and I already had um, the spoon with the holes and I bought a cheese thermometer. I think that's important to have the right thermometer. Yeah, for sure. I use a... um a cafe thermometer, the, you know, the one with the, the round di- dial. Is that the sort of thing you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's the one we got. Yeah, so cafe thermometers are really, they're really simple to read and, and, and nice and they're fairly accurate, you know, give a plus two or three degrees. So that's great. So what yeah. what have been some of your um, some of your successes so far? It's I'm not very good at keeping records. That's probably one of my challenges. <laughs> Well, the other day we opened a cheese and it was really nice and I thought I really should have written down what I did with that cheese. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I don't know what <laughs> but it was nice. Um, I think our, our biggest success is the, the harder cheeses that we've aged for longer. Yeah. And um, we just sort of grate them and put them in the freezer and you can just pull them out and sprinkle a bit on everything and it just adds a bit of cheesiness. So that's been good. And also the cream cheese that I just make straight from the raw milk, we use that all the time just um, with sour cream um, just as a dip. Yep, yep. That'll be fantastic too. Um, I think the hardest thing and the thing that, that most cheese books don't go into is how to age the cheese. They often just sort of stop it. Yep, take it out of the mould, stick it in the brine, and then I don't know what to do next. So figuring that out has been a challenge and especially we've got quite a small kitchen I don't really have space to have cheeses sitting around especially with the number of cheeses that we're making so I've sort of come to a a system that works eventually um just sort of put them in big containers in the fridge usually with lots of salt so do you have a a cheese fridge or, or something that you um mature the cheeses at you know, between 10 and, say, 15 degrees, or you're just using the normal refrigerator? Uh, yeah, when we have a lot of cheeses, I've got a um, 
a bar fridge with a mistake. So we keep that, you know, around 12 degrees. Yeah. And I put all the dips in there. But even in there, I found that they sometimes go mouldy. And I just prefer to probably age them just for a couple of days and then to let them dry out and then vacuum pack them or wax them and put them in that cheese fridge. Yeah, definitely. Now, that's that's definitely the way to go when you can't um, control the humidity of the cheese. Um, I've certainly found that mm. um, waxing solves many, many sins, especially if you've got a dodgy fridge, that's for sure. So have you got any other challenges, Liz, you want to share? Well, my other challenge is just finding the time. I've got the milk and um, just finding enough time to make some of the more complicated cheeses that, you know, take hours. Yeah. Um, that's probably the hardest part for me. Yeah, won't you have a go at Wensleydale? That'll uh, that'll sort you out. So, um, so where do you get your cheese supplies from? I mostly order them online. There's um, um, there's the Cheese Links one, and I use the other website. Uh, Green Living Australia. There's that's one in Queensland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green Living Australia is the other one that I use. Okay. So, yeah, I've ordered stuff for them. I, I found that both those um, both those companies are, are quite reliable. Um, and they don't have any troubles, mm. especially when they're sending, um, well, down to Victoria, because I order the stuff for, mainly from, would you believe, Green Living Australia, which is in Queensland, and, and you're ordering stuff from, uh, what is it, Cheese Links, which is in Victoria, which is close to me. Um, yeah, they package it up <laughs> with, uh, like, dry ice or something like that. So, um, And they do yeah. overnight express, so I've never had a bad culture from them. Um, so, yeah, mm. no, never any problems that, like that. So what are the um what what's your favorite your very favorite cheese to make so far out of all the cheeses that you've made? I think feta is my favorite. I've never had a bad feta and I find it ages really well in olive oil. Oh okay, do you keep the um do you keep the jar in the fridge? Yeah. Yeah, so I just pack them I just cut it into chunks and pack it into a jar, top it up with olive oil and some herbs and then just put the jar in the fridge and it seems to last for ages and um, you can always just pull out a chunk of feta when you want it. Yeah, for sure. Do you find that the olive oil goes solid though? Yes. Yes, and my, my husband said, oh, it's in the supermarket. It doesn't go solid. And I looked at it, it's got canola oil in it, which I'm not a big fan of. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another tip. <laughs> I don't mind and that, yeah, I don't like canola oil either because you can't tell if it's gen, uh, genetically modified or not. Um, one, another, yeah. another oil that works really well, and you've probably got it in abundance up there, is uh, sunflower oil. So if you do 50, okay. 50% olive oil and 50% sunflower oil, it doesn't go lumpy as well. Okay. So there's a tip for you. <laughs> it's got on salads because you get a big chunk of olive oil like as your salad dressing. As well as the bitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It sounds fantastic. So, yeah, I suppose you can put all sorts of herbs in there and, and dried chilies. And, um, yeah, I haven't made marinated yes. feta for ages. We seem to um, eat it straight out of the brine and, you know, it, stay, it can stay in the <laughs> brine for, for ages. We just have it in a plastic container in the normal fridge. We don't mature it, anything right. like that. So it just stays at, like, 4 degrees C in the plastic tub in the brine itself. Um, and we have no mm-hmm. troubles with it. We just cut it, cut off a, a chunk of it and put it on salads and stuff, just straight on brine. But, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, marinating it sounds fantastic. And I've done it before, and uh, I think I've got a recipe somewhere in the cheese book around that as well. So, 
and this is what's what's your favourite cheese to eat? Now, it doesn't have to be one you've you've made yourself. Uh, what's your what's your absolute favourite cheese? Um, I'm I've got a tie. I couldn't choose between them, but I love a a good vintage cheddar, like a real strong, crumbly cheddar. I haven't been able to make one like that yet. And the other one that I like is a blue, a nice strong blue cheese, but I haven't made that either. So I yeah. don't make the cheeses that I like. <laughs> yeah, well, the, this the Stilton um, that I make is really really nice. And it's quite simple to make. I think there's an overnight process where you have to um, you press it on some boards and put some filled up milk cartons, you know, full of water and use that as the press. Something pretty simple like that. And there's a bit of time every day, morning and night, when you have to turn it over. But um, once it's made and once it's in the cheese fridge and in the ripening box, it doesn't take too much. You just scrape the gunk off it as it grows. Um, wrap it in wrap it in tin foil to stop the the mould growing too much on the outside, and I tell you what, it just tastes oh. absolutely de- delicious because with the Stilton, you're adding extra cream in at the start as well, so which you'll probably have a lot of as well. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so you should when you've got a little bit of time on your hands, maybe you should have a go at that one. Yeah, I should. Yeah, I tried a, a blue cheese out of, oh, I can't remember, I think it was Tim Smith's Artisan Cheese book. He had a blue cheese recipe in there. And, uh right. And yeah, it was a total disaster. I don't know what I did wrong. It just it was more mold than actual cheese at the end. It was just I, I didn't know what to do. With it. I just scraped off all the gunk and I was I left with about a quarter of a cheese. So still ate it. That's but, what I'm So yeah, so it was good. But um yeah, the um I've made a well, I, I suppose a pseudo vintage cheddar. And that's um, mm. the uh, the farmhouse cheddar recipe that I've used, um, and it fe- yes. that features on the the little green cheese blog as well. Um, once you wax that, you just I, well I just accidentally left one up the back of the cheese fridge, and uh, you know I was turning it and the label fell off and I didn't quite know what it was, and um, <laughs> and after a year I cracked that open out of the wax and it was absolutely fantastic. It had that really deep vintagey taste. Um, and you didn't oh. have to do any of the cheddaring, you know. You didn't have to do that cheddaring process that you do with, say, kafili or, say, a cloth-wrapped um, uh, cheddar. And it was just like the Cheats vintage cheddar. It was just fantastic. So you could, you could, uh, right. yeah, try that one. Because <laughs> yeah, I pre- have made that one, so if I can hold on and leave it long enough. Yeah, make a double, make a make a ten-liter batch. And then um, just split it in yeah. two, and then just keep one in the back, and just eat the normal one, you know, as you would. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I make okay. a yeah I make a fourteen liter batch and just split it into two molds. So, um, especially oh, with yeah. farmhouse cheddar because it's so easy to make. Yeah. So what do you when you're eating your favourite cheeses? What do you like to drink with it? Well, I'm not much of a wine drinker. I'm more into beer. My husband and I make beer, so. Um, whatever we've got um in the fermenter usually but um we do like our extra special bitters so that's probably what i would have to say is our favorite um beer to have with cheese oh lovely so does that go with um with well all soft and hard cheeses or or just about anything you (laughs) you can get your hands on yeah whatever whatever's in the fridge (laughs) oh fantastic um, and the last question, you sound like a bit of a seasoned uh, cheesemaker there, Liz. Now, you've got your own cow. 
That's one, one up on me, yeah. that's for sure. Um, what are your What are your words of encouragement for the very brand new cheesemaker? Uh, I'd, I'd have to say you've got to stick at it. Don't get put off if your first cheese doesn't work. Some of ours, when we first got the cow, some of our cheeses didn't taste that nice, and I kind of gave up and left it. And some of the cheeses just sat in the fridge, you know, for six months or more. And then when we ate them, they were actually really nice. And we thought, oh, we should have made more cheese yeah. at the time when we had milk. So um, this time we've got the milk and I'm just making heaps of cheese because I'm sure some of them will be nice. So so don't give up when your first cheese is a bit strange. And um, just don't forget that cheese improves with age and with practice. Oh, fantastic. Great words, great words. Thanks very much, Liz. And thank you very much for the interview and your time. No worries. Nice talking to you. All right. Thanks very much, Liz. See you later. Bye. Now it's time for the cheese news. Well, the news we have this week comes from the Maitland Mercury in New South Wales. And I'll just read a snippet out here. It says, for artisan cheesemakers John and Juan, home cheese making evolved from growing up helping their parents and grandparents prepare soft and hard cheeses for the family on a daily basis using fresh milk from the house cow. We are both from Spain, but Juan's family migrated to Switzerland when he was very young, where his family included into their cheese-making routine the preparation of Swiss Emmental, Raculette and other local varieties, John said. When we arrived in Australia back in 1995, and soon settled in the Hunt, Lower Hunter Valley. The preparation of traditional home-cooked meals became part of our normal lives. The next step was to prepare fresh ricotta, mozzarella, feta, camembert, brie, blue vein, cheddar, Swiss and other cheeses using our family recipes. And with Jersey milk from our Jersey and Jersey Cross Normandy cows, he said. From the early realisation that home cheese making was not as popular in Australia as it was in Europe, where the knowledge was passed down between generations, John and Juan today run a successful business, Australian Home Cheesemaking, from their property on the Great Northern Road at Laguna. And the word is spreading fast, as an increasing number of people are becoming interested in learning this artisan craft. Which is good news, because that's what we're doing here on this cheese podcast. It goes on to say that making our own cheese allows us to take control over the ingredients that go into the cheese. Our cheeses are made using unaltered raw materials and without preservatives. Making cheeses at home allows people to exercise their own quality control over the finished product, not to mention the sense of satisfaction gained from mastering a recipe and technique and, of course, enjoying the fruits of their labour. We love the preparation, the result and also indulging our friends and family with cheese we have made from them, John said. In 2005, John and Juan decided to pass on their passion for their craft by offering hands-on cheesemaking workshops. In recent years, the number of people attending their classes has grown more than 200 a year. Classes conducted at various venues, at their Laguna farm, and as well as private workshops at people's homes and corporate workshops for team building. Workshops are open to everybody from novice to those wanting to further their skills. You can find out more about this on uh, if you go to homecheesemaking.com.au. 
Well, that's all I had for the news. Uh, on to the cheese of the month. Well, the cheese of the month that I've made this month was kafili. So uh, it took about five hours to make. I used organic milk to do it. Um, I just used liquid vegetable rennet uh, and followed the recipe on uh, that's freely available on littlegreencheese.com. And uh, yeah, just search for, for uh, kafili and you'll find it there. No problems at all. Uh, it's uh, just spent five days air drying um, out at room temperature and I've just popped it into the cheese fridge where it will mature for another three weeks. Um, I'll turn it every day. Um, probably have to wash it with brine a little bit because it started to grow a little bit of uh, orange mould, uh, which is okay. That's no problems. Uh, it adds to the flavour of the cheese, but I'll wipe it down with some uh, brine solution um, as we go through the week as I'm turning it. It's a very moist cheese. Uh, it weighs about a kilogram at the moment. I used eight litres of milk, so we'll see how that goes, and probably in the next podcast we'll have a taste test. So we have a listener question this week. It's via email. It's from uh, Julia uh, Julia says, I'm living in West Africa and only have access to ultra-high temperature or powdered milk. I successfully made cream cheese today with powdered milk, heating it with vinegar, but would like to try mozzarella. Do you know if it would work? If I can get some rennet tablets, would it work with UHT milk? Grateful for any help. Well, thanks for your question, Julia. What I've got to say about that is that technically you've actually made ricotta using that vinegar. Uh, which is just uh, tasty. Uh, true cream cheese really does require a starter culture at the start and a little bit of rennet, probably a few drops, and that waits in at room temperature for about well, 18 hours, between 12 and 18 hours, uh, and then you cut the curd and drain it, uh, and that's true cream cheese. However, your question was really about the type of milk. Now, from experience, UHT milk will not set a firm curd because the guts has been... Um, heated out of it basically the milk proteins um, have almost been destroyed uh, and it doesn't matter if you add calcium chloride to that milk it just will not set a curd i haven't tried powdered milk um, so i'm not sure if that would work but try and get even store-bought milk will work if you can get your hands on it Now, don't forget that uh, there are workshops coming up um, by myself under the banner of a Little Green Workshops. Uh, we have a mozzarella and a ricotta workshop that's going to be held at the Melton South Community Centre on the Saturday the 1st of June. Now, the workshop goes from uh, 1.30pm to 4.30pm and it costs $55 each or $50 concession. Uh, you can make bookings on 03-9747-8576 and the location is 26 Exford Road, Melton South. So ring those uh, through to the ladies at the uh, Melton South Community Centre and they'll sort it all out for you. Uh, And if you come along, I'll see you there. You've been listening to the Little Green Cheese Podcast. All the recipes that I use can be found at littlegreencheese.com. You can also find my ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, The Beginner's Guide to Cheese Making at Home. It's also available in all ebook formats, and further details are at littlegreencheese.com blog. 
You can also find my cheese making video tutorials within the ebook or on my YouTube channel. Just look for the Greening of Gavin YouTube channel. So thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for next week's episode of the Little Green Cheese Podcast. During this podcast, you heard royalty free music from Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop, the news theme, and Call to the Dairy Cows. <laughs>